Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 120 of the Citrix Session. Today is November the 7th, 2022. I've learned that I've got to start putting the dates somewhere early on in these things so I can keep them straight myself. Uh, I spent a couple hours over the weekend trying to untwist all the different podcasts we we're doing uh, to get all the numbers and things straight. And finally, I just gave up and skipped one. I just skipped a number. So on that note, uh, David Prowls from Beacon Credit Union pointed out over the weekend, Friday night, he was listening to our podcast. That's pretty cool. Uh, he sent me a text and said that um, we had uh, posted this. I, not we, it's totally my fault. You guys just show up and play along. Uh, I had posted the same podcast twice. Maybe I was drinking. I don't know what it was. But uh, Todd, Jeremy, Bill, and myself have been doing a multi-part uh, podcast on the blog from Heather Tat talking about uh, 2209 and the latest release of uh, Daz from Citrix and all the goodness in there. And I think we're only like halfway through with it after three sessions. So we'll have uh, two or three more of those um, before we're done. Uh, should currently be part four coming up. I think I uh, actually labeled it part four when I posted. So totally screwed that up. So please forgive me and, um, you know, enjoy the content. Don't worry about the uh, the title and the number too much because I'm sure I'm going to screw up more of those as we go. Uh, but look, we're lucky enough today to have a special guest with us. Let me introduce my normal panel as well. I got Bill Sutton, Director of Services. Bill, how's it going? It's going well, Andy. It's a Monday morning. Yeah. Believe it or not, I listen to our podcast. Like I rake leaves and I listen to it the day. I think I ask you every time the number of hours, the number of projects we got going on. Uh, we're just busy. Let's just leave it at that. Yep. That's that's the easiest way, quickest way to say it. Yep. If you're a citrus consultant or a project manager looking for a job, find Bill on LinkedIn, reach out. Yep. Uh, all right. So we also have with us from Citrix, we have, uh, I'll go in order closest to where I live, Jeremy Myers, who has the uh, sales engineers for the East Coast. Jeremy, how's it going? Going great. And I'm super thrilled to be doing this topic today. And I'm glad we got Adam on. So not to not to throw a carrot out there, but this is a good topic. And I'm pretty stoked. Are you in a are you in a bathroom somewhere? I am <laughs> I'm in a WeWork in the phone booth, if you will, but okay. it's it's very tight. Are you in the WeWork in uh, Charlotte or somewhere else? I hear Charlotte. Yeah, I'm on the one uh the one above the the Whole Foods, if you will. So we've got three. I bounce around. Did you uh, watch the WeWork documentary? I think on Hulu. I'm not. I'm not. Is this about how um, Adam almost drove this? Not Adam Lots, but Adam. I forget his last name. Adam thought he was Jesus. Adam. Yeah, that guy almost drove the company into the ground. No, but I I get the gist. (laughs) Well, my big takeaway from that is something I wonder. I'm standing here in an executive suite building right now, and I would really love to start doing what WeWork wanted to do, which is to start uh, building executive buildings and mm-hmm. providing uh, hoteling technologies plus cloud services to the people who uh, work in and outside of those buildings at any point in time. Uh, basically, what you probably have as a Citrix employee, what I have as an Integra employee, the rest of the world doesn't know about all this good stuff. I would love to be able to do that and, and combine real estate with cloud. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. So my take is they're primarily a real estate company for the most part. But they want to be a technology company. That's what the documentary goes through. No kidding. Okay. Well, listen, that's going to be in the queue. Thank you for that. I'll foreshadow a little bit, uh, like what we're going to talk to Adam about. If you could just provide this at a minimum basic Windows computer from the cloud with high fidelity, man, you could could accomplish that. You could take WeWork plus, well, just tell us, Windows 365, combine the two. That would be awesome. I love it. In the meantime, I'm in a bathroom. So there we are. All right, Todd Smith. Uh, Todd has all the sales engineers for uh, the country of Canada. A eh, Todd. Uh, that's correct. 
couldn't have bonjour to my uh, Canadian friends. I love how we always tell the same joke with the Canadians. We always throw A on the end. And because I know you have Ontario, we speak French a little bit. No, Quebec is French, Jeremy. I just boogered that up, didn't I? Ontario's Ontario's English. Yeah, we edit this part out. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Arrogant American thinking the world revolves around whatever. Well, so the so the adding A to everything even counts when you're naming your country because it's C A N A D A. And guys, I I did that for cheese on purpose and was going to call myself out. Jeremy beat me to it. All right. So our special guest today, Adam Lotz. Adam is with Citrix, has been for a thousand years, like literally a thousand years. Um, and Adam is uh, wrote a blog that we're going to cover around Windows 365. I'm also going to ask him to help me understand what Citrix is doing with AVD versus Windows 365. Uh, but Adam, welcome. What's your official title these days? Yeah, Andy, thanks. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm now Director of Product Marketing over the DAZ product set. Uh, and yeah, have been at Citrix for a very long time, uh, just over 20 years now. Um, so excited to talk about this new technology and, uh, and you know, just brainstorm with you guys about what makes sense and what's going to be important here as we look forward across the next couple of years. So Adam, you guys, uh, you and some of your players, some of your team members and myself have been talking for, I don't know, a year or so now about what you guys were doing with AVD native and what you're doing with Windows 365, which is only native, I think. Help me understand the difference. Well, first of all, if you could, and I'm going to lead you a little bit on this, uh, help me understand what AVD is specifically around the Azure entitlements to run a multi-session enterprise desktop and then bolt whatever broker you want on. Or the broke or the brokering piece. Help our listeners understand what AVD and the different pieces of AVD are. I swear that Microsoft makes it holistic and lumps it all together. Now they're going to do it with Windows 365, but lumps it all together because they really don't want people to know the differences. It is, yeah, I mean, Andy, it is a bit of a challenge, right? So Microsoft's got Azure Virtual Desktop or AVD, and then and that's been out for a few years now, right? And everyone's sort of got their their feet under them there and say, okay, it's all about hosting the workloads. We've got multi-session Windows 10 multi-session Windows 11, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? We look at Azure Virtual Desktop as being more of an extensible platform. So it's got the operating system. We've got some entitlement benefits in your E3 or E5 uh, Microsoft subscriptions. Um, but we can really look at that as being sort of the cloud incarnation of RDS, right? So there's still, um, you know, they've got a cloud brokering system, but it's really about the entitlements you get and the ability to run those workloads inside the Azure cloud. And then, yeah, so we talk about Citrix and AVD. <clears throat> and, you know, I hate to I hate to say this out loud, but, you know, in many cases, we're replacing those Azure Virtual Desktop components, right? When you're running those things together, when you're running Citrix, the Azure Virtual Desktop, you're taking advantage of the Citrix brokering system and the HDX protocol and all the work we put into that over the years. And you're layering that on top of that Azure Virtual Desktop subscriptions. You get sort of the financial wins from Microsoft there and the, the hosting from Microsoft, um, but you get the, you know, the maturity of the Citrix solution for all of the actual workloads, which I think is a, a real win. Uh, so we talk about that a lot, right? I mean, that, there's a, a good win for customers that are going from on-prem to cloud. And, you know, I always say that, you know, we're friends with everyone in the cloud space, but we're best friends with Microsoft and, and AVD makes that super super easy to roll out. I mean, it's, it's like this, everybody wins at that point. You take uh, you take AVD native and that's like having peanut butter uh, on decent bread, decent peanut butter on decent bread and and just and just kind of a, a bland jelly on top of it. And you got a pe- I mean, you ever had a bad peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I mean, they're, they're all pretty good. But then if you take the Citrix piece and put it on top of the Azure Verse top, virtual desktop entitlement, multi-session even that you have, now all of a sudden you've got really good smuckers jam on top of that thing. And you've got that next level peanut butter and jelly sandwich. How's that? Yeah, well, I, yeah. will, 
I'll say this. So we do this podcast over lunch and yeah. I'm starting to get the vibe that maybe Andy's hungry, yeah. but you're absolutely right. You know, but Adam, I would say, I feel like the big uh, advantage to ABD is primarily the licensing, right? You know, I think some of the advantage outside of the infrastructure itself that like Microsoft has over like say an Amazon is the fact that, holy smokes, they make the licensing so compelling by running Windows workloads in an Azure cloud, right? I mean, that's that's a little bit of the, the secret sauce there. Um, we do take over the brokering and it's way more mature. I've had customers do POCs where they've told us it's way more mature, but, you know, I think the advantage has always been from a licensing perspective, you know, listen, you can do multi-user Windows 10, you're not buying RDS anymore. You know, this is very much covered, not just that, but depending on where you want to run your Windows 10, Windows 11, you know, desktop, it could be on-prem, could be in the cloud. You know, Microsoft has just made that very advantageous to do that with AVD or just an E3, E5 subscription, I guess what I should say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Jeremy, definitely. And the other thing we talk about a lot is our, our hybrid play there, right? So helping mm-hmm. customers get there slowly because you can continue running those data center uh, VMs. You can t- continue those workloads, use the Citrix Cloud Control Plane to manage all of it together. So that way we're not trying to do a lift and shift. It's not a dramatic you know, jump to cloud. It's an evolution there, right? And as you start to retire capacity or as you need more cloud hosting, you can roll that in side-by-side with those existing workloads and use just the Citrix console to manage all of it. So yeah, I mean, that's... There's a, a real win there for customers. And um, and when it comes to choosing a cloud, I mean, I think, you know, you, you hinted at this, right? Microsoft has an unfair advantage, especially mm-hmm. for desktop workloads, right? Because they've got all the levers under their control. They can, you know, they can control the cost. They've got the technology. Um, they've got, you know, all of the components with, you know, things like uh, multi-session Win 10 and Win 11, right? That, that make it better to run these desktop workloads in their cloud. And I think that's great. And, um, you know, when customers, I still occasionally get the customer says, hey, like, I don't, I don't have a cloud preference yet. Where should I go? I'm like, hey, that, that's probably Azure, right? It's probably where you're going to land. Unless you have some very specific workloads that you're hosting where there's already a backend on a different cloud. And, and even then we've got a great answer, right? Because then you can still aggregate all of that with workspace or storefront. Mm-hmm. So your end users don't care that one application is coming out of cloud A and other co- applications coming out of cloud B. You can still have the bulk of your, your desktop type workloads running in Azure. So, Bill, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Todd. Did we successfully explain, before we jump into the next thing, what Azure Virtual Desktop for Microsoft is standalone, as well as what it is with a partner like Citrix included? Uh, yeah, I think we did, for the most part. Um, you know, I, there, there's lots of benefits, um, as Adam and Jeremy pointed out. So, yeah, I think I think we covered it pretty well. I will say the one thing that gets missed, and I just stole Todd's speaking spot here, but the one thing. <laughs> well, he's used to it. Yeah. You know what? You know what, Todd? I'll defer. I'll, I'll hand it to you. No, no, go ahead, Jeremy. You, you, you started. Go ahead. Don't roll. Okay. So, you know, the one thing that is missing out of that E3, E5 um, entitlement, the one thing that customers don't always account for uh, is consumption. So in a lot of my conversations with customers, you know, they're like, hey, listen, we've got AVD. We think we're going to leverage it. And the one conversation we need to have with them that we typically have with them is, well, you know, do you have any idea what your consumption is going to look like once you've deployed this? And that's the one thing that gets a little bit missed. In fact, just to lead the witness a little bit, you know, I think that is the one thing that Cloud PC, uh, I think, attempts to address. Um, Now, it's not entirely apples to apples, but, you know, I'd that's the one thing that I think is advantageous about cloud PC is the fact that your, you know, your consumption is sort of committed at that point or at least accounted for. Yeah. Well, yeah, consumption, that's what, you know, 
I'm not saying Microsoft's misleading you, but they want you to get into the cloud then figure out later whether or not you can get the consumption under control or not. Um, Todd, hit it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so I think the biggest thing, and you did a great job explaining it, so did Bill and uh, Bill and Jeremy as well, but uh, I think there's there's one underlying problem that we've, we're still trying to face, uh, and, and that is the history of uh, everything could be solved with a, v, a VDI instance, right? Which was oftentimes very expensive to stand up. It was very expensive to maintain, and it really didn't meet all of the needs for the customer. Um, in terms of the financial aspects of it, because it was in some cases it was it was overkill. Um, when we can provide a right-sized solution that uses something that's off the shelf, right? So a, a WVD component is you know it's easy to it's easy to go and find, it's easy to obtain, and then you add in what features you need to make it run better or more efficient or more securely. And that's uh, that's actually one of the one of the great things that we've come out with with this uh, with this new offer. Yeah. So so let me let me do this for the group real quick. I talk to people all the time about this. I, there's an article. Just Google it. It's older. It's the only article I've ever seen that actually explained AVD properly. It's so old. It's called WVD. And in fact, I will argue that uh, Microsoft pulled back on the WVD acronym because they knew Windows 365 was coming out and they didn't want to confuse things. Uh, but the name of the article uh, by Nicholas Ignato, I think it is, is everything you need to know about WVD. Windows 10 EVD and Citrix. And I love the call out the difference between WVD, aka AVD, and EVD. EVD being the entitlement to run a multi session Windows uh, client OS in Azure, and WVD being the brokering protocol. Uh, all this around Windows 10 was going to be the last OS, now Windows 11. To me, you read this article and it sets the agenda for everything we're going to really talk about. Um, and so with that, um, let's see. Oh, I had a couple of things that came up during that. I want to make sure I told you guys about. Um, with that, uh, we have Adam Watts on. Introducing him again. But Adam, the article that you wrote, the blog you wrote, is about announcing the Citrix HDX Plus for specifically Windows 365 public preview. And if you can help me understand, does this also, do you guys have some secret sauce for AVD as well um, that doesn't require you to use the Citrix brokering plane? Uh, or is it just going to all be about Windows 365 and what Citrix can do to up-level that experience? Yeah, yeah, Andy, fair question. But let's take a step back, though, right? So let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> AVD versus 365, because <clears throat> that's really the question I get the most often right now, right? So customers are a little bit confused, and, and frankly, you know, even our sales team, or sometimes even the Microsoft sales team, right? Like they're talking about Azure Virtual Desktop, they're talking about Windows 365. Um, it's all getting a little bit confusing, right? Because like, okay, well, this is all, you know, we're all talking about virtual desktops in the cloud and, and Azure, and why would I go one way or the other? So I think. You know, Windows 365 Cloud PC is really interesting because of, of two specific things, maybe three, that it's, it's bringing to the market here, right? So, um, you know, it is it is VDI again, right? It's a dedicated desktop for that user, and it's a desktop assigned to the user. And that's important because just like Todd was saying, right, we have all these conversations around, you know, do you want multi-session? Do you want single session? Do you want persistent or non-persistent? Like, there's a lot of options in a typical, like, on-prem Citrix deployment. Um, so Windows 365 is specifically going to be persistent and dedicated to an individual user, right? So that desktop is tied to that user. And that does simplify some of the management aspects, and it makes some of them more complicated, and it, you know, it does drive that to a particular use case. The other thing that's really important about 365 is that it's got flat rate pricing. 
So just as we were talking about, you know, what that means in the cloud, as you move to Azure, like, you know, there's a lot of question about, okay, I've got my, my licensing for the hosting under control, but, you know, what does my consumption look like? And something that, you know, I was surprised to hear from customers is, you know, most of the customers I talk to, you know, when they're interested in 365, when we talk about the different options they have, like they understand, okay, this is this is going to be for a particular use case inside my account. It's probably not for everyone wall-to-wall in the company. Um, but a lot of them were willing to pay more for that flat rate monthly billing of the, the VM versus having it be an unknown, which I thought was fascinating, right? Because I think in, in many cases, 365 could be the most expensive virtualization you have, but it's going to be very like price predictable. And it's going to have that persistence that users understand. So I think that's a, it's an interesting twist, right? So in that sense, I, I look at Windows 365 as being sort of a very specific type of hosting that you want. And especially for Citrix customers, it's like, all right, like this is going to tackle a real need, but it's probably some very specific users inside your organization. That's that's the key thing to point out, right? The first part you talked about, the idea that um, um, it's not like what we would tell people to do for VDI, non-persistent, you know, manage the user experience with profiles and, and containers like FS Logics and don't give them admin rights. This is the opposite of what we've been telling mid-market, even some SMB, mid-market enterprise customers to do, yet Microsoft's pick it up and running with it like it's the answer to almost everything. Because I guess in theory, it could be the answer, but it could have a lot of bad things it drags with it. Yeah, I think what you have to remember is that when you move to Windows 365, you start provisioning out these these uh, you know these cloud PCs to users, there are two big pitfalls that come with that, right? So one is that you still have the endpoint to deal with, right? So there's, you know, you've, you've got that. You didn't, that didn't just go away, right? Now, maybe you have a bring your own PC scenario. Maybe you're using thin clients. Maybe you're using regular devices. There's still an endpoint involved you, you potentially have to manage. Um, and then, you know, because that 365 instance is persistent and dedicated, you've got all of the software stack desktop management burden of that to deal with as well, right? Now, you know, Microsoft's big play here is, hey, you're going to manage that through Intune. It's going to be very straightforward. Your existing admins will know how to do it. And and I think all that's true, Um, but you're going to have all those same problems you have with managing a regular device because it does have that persistence. And because, yeah, frankly, you're going to make that user an admin. They're going to run with that cloud PC and you don't know what could happen, you know, a year or two years down the road. Yeah, We're, we're back to all the same problems we had before but it's marketable and simple enough that Microsoft believes, and so do I at this point, that a lot of people are just going to do it. Yeah, no, and, and don't get me wrong. I think it's great technology. It's it's a bit of a departure from the story we would typically tell, right? Because, you know, like you said, we we often uh, go into, you know, um, you know, multi-session computing conversations, VDI conversations. Often the original driver is cost, right? People are like, oh, you know, this seems like a really cost-efficient way to deliver, you know, my apps and my desktops. And that's true. Um, but I think the the reality is, and as sort of we've matured that story over time, you, you know, it's more important to look at uh, security and accessibility and flexible work and all the other benefits you get. Like the cost savings, that's a that's a nice win, and and for particular again, particular user populations, you might really want to drive that down. Um, but for Windows three sixty five, they're taking the opposite approach. It's like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna pay a premium for this, but it's going to have that persistence. It's going to be cloud hosted, and uh, and and yeah, it's going to feel like a regular desktop to that user. Let me do this for the group, and then I'll go around and let you guys comment on what Adam's covered so far. But for me, this is just Microsoft coming back to the story. So five years ago, I'm talking about centralize and deliver, not deploy, but deliver your compute experience from wherever, my data center, their data center, wherever. Uh, and Microsoft was competing against me, talking about, no, don't deliver it, deploy it. Well, they've Then they started talking about, okay, don't deploy it, deliver it from Azure. And then now they're talking about, okay, don't deploy it, deliver it from Azure, and then turn around and manage it 
with the same tools I was competing against this whole model with a couple of years ago. This is just my take, not Citrix's take, not even on this, this call or this podcast take. But my take is they've they're going to manipulate us right back into where they had us five years ago, and they're going to host that all at the same time and double win on us. And 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 I do make it clear. I do think for some use cases, some population of the user population, including a Zintegra, I think twenty percent of our users, this would be a great solution for. But not eighty percent, just twenty percent. Um, all right, Bill, I'll let you go first, and then we'll go to Jeremy and Todd. What do you think about the whole idea? Uh, well, it, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of truth to what you said, Andy. I I, I do circle back on the one thing that Adam said that I, I found interesting. Um, not just one thing, but one in particular. Uh, and that is uh, that that this is a more expensive or Windows 365, generally speaking, is is more expensive than AVD or or even a, a third party solution like Citrix. I don't think that's the perception. That may be the reality. And I think because a lot of customers don't really analyze it, it's the easy button to some degree. Right. I mean, this is you, you go online, you you register, you register for Windows 365, you put in your credit card or PO, depending on you know the size of the organization. You provision your desktops. It's just stupid simple, right? Um, to get that desktop up and running for the users. Uh, ABD is more complicated. Um, some, you know, a good bit more complicated to get running. And I don't think, I think that particularly for the small organizations, they're not going to take the time necessarily to see, hey, if we went this direction with Windows 10 or Windows 11 multi-session, we could probably save a lot than doing, you know, 15 or 20 Windows 365 desktops uh, that could, we could co- co-locate them on a multi-session OS. What, what do you think? Bill, how many times a week do you uh, go out to eat or you order from some kind of service? Uh, more often than I would like, but uh, a couple times at least. That's exactly what I think we're talking about here. It's like, I know I could just go to the grocery store and feed my family for the week for a third the cost, but I'm willing just to call Uber Eats every so often because it just right. makes it easy. Yeah. Todd, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, the days of a one-size-fits-all um, are pretty much over or limited. Um, so, you know, that flexibility and being able to pick and choose what you want um, is being more and more critical to our, as we become more and more of a consumer-based and consumer-driven uh, user population. So I, I was at the Agile Disrupt Nashville the other day. I sat down beside a guy, 10,000 seats where um, Microsoft was presenting Windows 365. I said, hey, what do you think of this? He said, oh, I kind of like it. I said, would your organization never do it? He said, heck no, it costs way too much. Um, Jeremy, what kind of customers are you seeing that are considering this and are they even factoring in how much it's going to cost them? I mean, I don't think we can underestimate just how important it is to have just predictable cost, right? I mean, I think that is probably the most compelling thing about Cloud PC here. Um, you listen, I went on a cruise this summer and I paid for that drink package. You know why? Because I didn't want to have to think about it. It was more expensive, I'm sure. I'm 100% sure I didn't get my value out of it, but knowing that my cap was $11 billion for drinks on that cruise. I mean, that helped out a lot, right? So I didn't care. So I bought extra coffee. I had drinks when I didn't need them just because. And so it helped me, uh, you know, 100%. I think organizations are in the same boat. And I think, you know, on the flip side, um, a lot of organizations are having to account for this use case internally. So in a lot of our, um, you know, cost estimations with customers, you know, back in the day when we did this on-prem, they were like, all right, I've got a stack of hardware, servers, networking, storage, licensing, all this stuff. Here's what I need to get down to. I need to get down to a price uh, per user per year or per month because I need to charge this back to the business. And that was incredibly hard to do. And what this does is make it pretty easy to do. You know, hey, Adam, here's your desktop. 
you know, it costs 66 bucks a month, you know, regardless. And it's easy for me to charge that back to your department. No questions asked. And so I think there's some value in number one, it being predictable. And number two, just in some of the accounting workflows within an organization. So Todd, you, you've been around for a while. You saw all those big banks in the Northeast roll out VDI in a big way with a bunch of persistent desktops, right? Yep. It took them years to realize, hey, this was good. It got over the first hurdle, but now we got to figure out how to untwist this thing. Do you see that coming if people go this route? I think to a certain extent, but I think it's going to be done more on the the task user or the simple, you know, I, I'm, I use one app. I use one app only, but I still need to wrap some security around it. I need to be able to better manage uh, the environment. And, and I think that's something that people are going to look at. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, I think of the comment earlier about, you know, this is not a 80% coverage model. It's more of hitting these 20%, these 10% use cases that are very specific uh, that are going to help us bridge some of these gaps that are out there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Adam, I want to come back to you. I have a specific question, then I'll go, then we'll go through the uh, bullets that are here in the article itself. Um, this up-leveling of Windows 365 native are you guys also up leveling AVD native, or is it the the story that you've had for a while where it's you know use our solution in addition to AVD non-native, you know, using the multi-session uh, Windows desktop in Azure? Um, are you guys also doing the plus type scenario for AVD, or is it just the Windows 365 flavor? Oh yeah, Andy, I think you tried to ask me that before, and I just ignored the question. Uh, um, so okay. so no, they are they are two separate two separate motions, right? So there's no AVD plus. It's going to be, you know, Windows 365 plus. That's where we see a change there. Um, but there is a, I, I should call out, there's a, a clear strategy difference there, right? So we talk about Azure Virtual Desktop. Again, like that's the platform built for flexibility. And that's where we're like, all right, you're going to want a full Citrix DAS deployment. You're going to want all this manageability. You have these different scenarios that you're going to put in there. Uh, when I look at HDX plus for Windows 365, uh, we're, we're keeping that tenant around simplicity, right? It is going to be easy to roll out. It's easy to deploy these technologies together. Uh, and we took a really, I mean, I would say a dramatically different approach in the engineering side, even with Microsoft, that's how we work on this. Um, so while, you know, on the AVD front, we're like, all right, you've got this technology, we're going to layer in our better technology and kind of, you know, replace the bits we don't need. And of course, we do that with Microsoft Blessing. Um, with 365, we're like, all right, let's work on this together. Let's integrate these consoles Let's keep these fundamentals that Microsoft is delivering right around ease of management and simple to roll out and user assignments. And then let's add in the Citrix value next to that without having to clobber that that Microsoft deployment, right? And, and I think that's really important because we get to keep that win for simplicity while adding things like enhanced security and the whole HDX stack um, and improving interoperability with other third-party technologies, right? Stuff that Microsoft isn't necessarily going to tackle. We can really enable for these enterprise use cases, especially for existing Citrix customers. At, at the point where somebody's going to pay the premium to have a Windows 365, Citrix shows up. If you're going to spend that much money, you might as well add this to it and make it the best it could possibly be, right? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think more importantly, I think the biggest use case for us will be inside existing Citrix accounts, right? So you've got Citrix today, maybe you're on-prem, maybe you're a hybrid, maybe you're fully cloud. And now you're kind of scratching your head saying, oh, you know, that Windows 365, that looks like it's going to be pretty good, right? I could use that, you know, that flat rate billing every month so I can, you know, go to my other, uh, you know, my other business units and say, hey, this is what your desktops are going to cost. Um, but they'll be able to roll that in with their Citrix deployment and, you know, use uh, the Citrix Cloud Console to manage that, to apply policies, to integrate their IDPs um, and really take it to the next level. And I think at that point, what I think is is really interesting is now we've said, okay, for a Citrix customer, 
this is just another way to host a desktop, right? So you can be like, okay, I'm a Microsoft customer. I'm a Citrix customer. I'm using Azure. And it's going to be easier to say, oh, you know what? I do need some persistent desktops. Why don't I make those cloud PCs and deliver them with Citrix and Windows 365? Yeah. So, Adam, so Adam, real quick, from a licensing perspective, um, HDX Plus for Windows 365, that is a, that could be a standalone solution, right? Or if I am a DAS Premium Premium Plus customer, do I have that entitlement already? Like, how do I get access to it? So Jeremy, it's, that's not fully baked yet. We're, we're working okay. on it, right? I'm okay. expecting that to be available both ways, but we're looking probably very end of the year, early next year before it's actually in the product and ready to go. Got it. Um, so stay tuned on that, right? Got it, got it, okay. So Adam, um, you've kind of done it, but can you just cover these four bullets that you have in the blog and specifically what part of HDX Plus makes these bullets reality? <laughs> sure. Do I, do I need to read the bullets to the audience or we're just going to assume they're playing along on their screen? Uh, just generalize the best possible high definition experience because why? Yeah. Okay. So listen, everyone knows Citrix for HDX, right? And and I, I have to say, you know, the more customers I talk to about HDX plus and what that means, um, I'm, I'm actually surprised at the feedback. Everyone's like, oh yeah, your protocol is the best, right? You guys have everything built in there. It's like, I get that. And, and frankly, customers, like they, they embrace that, right? Especially those that have global deployments, so they've got, you know, workers on usual locations, um, you know, all the work we've done in the ICA protocol and the HDX optimizations over, you know, frankly, 25 years, um, it's still valid. It's still paying off. People are still seeing a real win there. Um, and that's not just, you know, so it's not just specialized use cases, although that's certainly a thing, right? So Windows 365 doesn't have the 3D graphics support yet, but it will, and then we'll support that as well. Uh, but things like the telephony support, the Teams optimizations, the, the Zoom plugins, everything else that, uh, kind of makes those desktops work for the real world scenarios out there. I think that's really important. Um, you know, we can talk about multimedia and throughput and bandwidth consumption. I, it all it all rolls in together. Um, and it's funny, you know, as so I have that conversation with the engineering about sort of what makes HDX HDX, like, you know, what is the the secret sauce? I mean, it's it's dozens of individual things that all roll up together, right? And in your session day to day, you may not realize that you've got dozens of technologies supporting you, but but all the time, right? It all comes together. Uh, and it gives you that great experience. Yeah, I equate that to many things. I call those scars on my knuckle. Citrix has lots of years of getting learning how to do stuff uh, that they've now brought into the Windows 365 world, starting with you know the ICA protocol, which is the, the still the best on the market with all the enhancements that's been made and the rebranding of HDX with it. So just to be clear, though, Adam, so in order to enable all these things, what's happening under the hood architecturally is the VDA is being deployed out to a cloud PC in order to really support this is really what's yeah, happening. Yeah. And, and what's really cool here, Jeremy, is that, I mean, you know, t today, right, if you're rolling out a Citrix environment, you've got all these desktops you manage, you're deploying mm -hmm. the VDA package out to them, you're having to you know register those with the broker, all, all these steps that an admin goes through. Um, because we were striving for simplicity in the most literal sense, like once you click go on one of your 365 instances and you say, yeah, checkbox, I want to make this a Citrix instance. Um, we automatically deploy the VDA into that image. It can, you know, it can take half an hour, 45 minutes before it's ready to go. Um, and then literally the next time the user logs in, wherever they're logging into, they're going to connect with ICA and they're going to use the the Citrix, you know, you know HDX technology to get there. Um, so and that's, I, that's a big win for admin simplicity. I go through my AVD access workspace or do I go through Citrix workspace or either? 
No, no. So, so Andy, you can actually so you can roll these uh, these new 365 desktops right into your existing Citrix deployment, right? So, if you're using Workspace or Storefront, they'll just show up there as another icon the user clicks on. Or if you're using the built-in uh, Windows 365 launcher, sorry, you're using um, you know their portal to get there, you're going to see a new Citrix optimized uh, launch right there. And in fact, even if you go to uh, the Microsoft client page and that user has been selected for a Citrix desktop, they'll see the Citrix clients being hosted. And that's a big change, right? Like that level of integration with Microsoft was tough to get to, but it takes this from being kind of like a technology optimization to a real solution where end users don't have to think, oh, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I connecting the right way? Um, in fact, the admin can actually lock down that desktop and we assume that's the default state so that desktop won't accept uh, RDP connections, it will only accept ICA connections. And that's how admins will force all the security and compliance controls. How about coming through the uh, AVD client on a Linux OS like IJO? Uh, yep, yep. We should have full support there as well. Um, so they're just going to look at that as being a new ICO workload, right? So it would be blocked if they tried to make a, a RDP connection. Uh, but anytime they went through the Citrix route, they would see that. Okay. Um, all right, moving on. Um, three, three more bullets. We're going to run out of time, which we always do, which is great because we just have great conversations. Next one, Adam talks about seamless integration with third-party identity providers. Yeah, so I mean, I can I can make this easy, right? We call the product HDX Plus, right? And HDX is, is clearly one of the flagship bits there, but especially in the enterprise deployments, that that Plus tends to actually be more important. And uh, and sorry, we couldn't come up with a good acronym for that, but but really the Plus is, is all about security, identity, trust, and then flexibility for different types of devices and, and applications, right? So um, certainly, if you're a Citrix customer, we see you know great adoption of these third-party IDPs. People have got access control policies set up around them. They've got um, you know data protection policies they're trying to to enforce. Um, so again, you'll be able to roll that right into this 365 environment, which you wouldn't be able to do with a, a fully Microsoft native solution. Um, and you know don't don't think I'm bashing Microsoft. Microsoft does an amazing job of integrating across their own stack, right? So if you're if you're wall-to-wall -wall Microsoft, everything you do is is with them, like. It's, it's fantastic. But as soon as you try to take a step out of that, right, it gets a little bit harder and you don't always get quite the same uh, amount of integration. And this is where I feel like HDX Plus kind of goes back to Citrix, you know, maybe 15 years ago, right? Where it's like, hey, we can take all these little clever optimizations and, and these, you know, tie-ins to third parties and bring them together to give you a real solution. Yeah, it's more of the same story of Microsoft really being a platforms company and smart partners integrate on top of their platform and and grow with them. Yep. Does that require me to use the uh, the Citrix workspace or storefront to get to this integration piece, or can I still do it through the Microsoft portal? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So you still want to have you're going to want to have a, a a workspace experience to to make that connection, but users would be able to go straight from the Microsoft portal as well. All right. Next bullet talks about a broad array of uh, device supports. Is that just the benefit of having HDX? stuff under the cover? It is, right? So we talk about, about you know, the, the broad support for both devices, peripherals, applications, endpoints, right? Uh, and again, you'll see us putting a real effort there, especially on the thin client side. And I think that's somewhere that, that we've made really big strides over the last couple of years. Uh, so you see that most of the thin client vendors are really standardizing on our, our Linux clients. Um, so they're not having to sort of differentiate themselves as much and try to decode our protocols and have specific optimizations there but they can really focus on the management of their endpoints, which is where they're adding the most value. Um, so as we rev uh, you know, our Linux uh, client, they get all the benefits of that you know, soon mm -hmm. after. 
And then it provides that consistent experience across these different devices. So does this mean, or maybe with an asterisk, that everything that's uh, Citrix ready, certified, all of a sudden becomes Windows 3 ready? Yeah. Yeah. When you're using this integration, I mean, it becomes a seamless transition. And, and again, if you're an existing customer, that's a win, right? Because now you just look at this as a new way to host, host your workloads and nothing else matters, right? All of your existing end user policies and end user um, connections are, are going to apply. Well, that, that's a big win for the Microsoft salesperson too. Everything that was questionable now became supportable. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny, right? Again, we talked about this being, you know, one of the most expensive workloads to run, but but there's a win in having persistent desktops. I mean, people like the notions behind VDI and how you manage it. So I actually think we're even going to see on-prem Citrix customers use 365 as sort of their their first dipping their toes into the cloud. Um, because I think it will be a very predictable and easy to manage workload for them. So I, I do expect to see that. Now they're going to need a Citrix DAS account to make that happen, right? So they have to take that first step to uh, hybrid cloud hosting. But once they do, this will just be a you know a new resource type and a new resource location, and you'll have your on-prem uh, apps and desktops and your 365 hosted desktops. Yeah, I mean you're you're talking to the one person I believe as Integra that has a persistent desktop in addition to a non-persistent. That's me. <laughs> All right, last bullet on here, uh, extra additional layers of security through uh, data, through granular policies, controls, corporate data, uh, filtration, I'm assuming maybe even uh, an, uh, analytics. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. So because we're using the typical Citrix VDA, that's actually what's being installed. The single session VDA goes right into these 365 images. That means that anything that we can do in a Citrix environment, I'll say on anything, almost anything we can do in a regular Citrix environment will apply to 365. So we talk about things like you know policy control and and uh, device redirection and clipboard restrictions and adaptive access policies or or even session recording right that's all going to take place in these environments um, and it means again that especially in highly regulated industries uh, places we've got real compliance concerns you know stuff that may not have have worked under a strict 365 environment will suddenly work with Citrix whether that's you know. Uh, whether you're protecting IP, whether you've got you know, users in different locations, whether you need to watermark the screen, um, lots of technology that comes together uh, to really give you that more secure solution and add additional layers of security on top of it. I mean, this is cool. This is like taking the old days of having a bunch of RDS servers that needed high fidelity experience to them and reliving that, but for the one user at a time model. Yeah, man, it really is. I mean, I think that the fact that it's going to open up virtualization to a sort of a, a new audience, right? And maybe some folks that were tired of the complex management are going to look at this as a, a new way to get to cloud. Um, I think it's got some real potential in, in accounts of all sizes. Yep. All right. So I've had the guys at Bay. Jeremy, we'll start with you and go uh, Todd and then Bill. You've heard a lot. you got to have at least a question, right? Uh, you know what, Andy, you asked the questions. You know, the first one was going to be around... Um, Security analytics, right? So just the analytics platform. I'm not sure how much, maybe performance, just from a network perspective, but um, you know, certainly, you know, how does analytics play into this? And it sounds like that's that's certainly supported. Um, you know, from a seamless integration with third-party identity solutions. I'm assuming anything we support with Workspace, you know, will work with um, you know the the Windows 365 cloud PC. So for instance. Um, you know, we could use some of our newer adaptive auth, you know, we could use, you know, Octa, SAML, whatever you bring to the table could be supported. So, you know, just to your point, Adam, right, you know, enterprises have standardized on certain platforms, you know, it's easy to take what they've standardized on and just make it work with cloud PC, you know, just to simplify it, right? So a lot of good stuff here, for sure. Todd, questions, thoughts for Adam? 
Yeah, so I got a couple of thoughts on this, and that is that, you know, kind of going back to the initial comments about, <clears throat> you know, this being a solution or this being a product that could really help support those small to mid-sized customers that are out there. Because um, regardless of the size, they still have the same compliance challenges. They still have the same security challenges. They still have that same question that's being asked is, you know, how secure are we and how how productive are are the employees um, and that those are those are questions that are being asked across our customer base right and you don't have to be a big multinational bank to have challenges with security or productivity or performance um, and this helps solve that the other big thing here is you know this solves a lot of the problems around you know those peripherals uh, peripherals and device options that are out there um, you know we have always prided ourselves on the fact that we can help customers manage those connected peripheral devices, um, and be able to manage those effectively. And it's a great, uh, great solution here. But uh, congrats, congrats, Adam. I mean, when I talk to customers all the time, they ask me, okay, do I use this product or this? Like, look, if you want a fighting chance of most applications and most first peripherals working, not that they all will, but most will, you gotta go Citrix. Bill. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with everything that's been said. And, and I think this really just is more of the embrace and extend concept that Citrix has followed along with Microsoft from really from the be nearly the beginning, right? Um, is the ability to take the technology that they've developed and the security components and the support for peripherals and all the other goodness we've talked about and embrace, take that, take that existing Microsoft platform and extend it and make it uh, make it real and and um you know more enterprise ready for even the mid market and the small business and i think that again i'd, I'd say kudos to adam and team for for uh moving forward on this and, and really enabling um customers to get this kind of uh kind of access with windows 365. so andy you know i've been through the documentation on this so if you haven't seen it um you know it's out on citrix docs and you know what i'm a little surprised by the simplicity you know there is essentially some handshaking that goes on. So you go into your, your Azure tenant and I think it's endpoint management um, that you have to, you connect to, but basically you just kind of authenticate to, to Citrix Cloud. And on the flip side, you know, when you're setting up your, your catalog or you're setting up your, your, the Citrix piece, you're doing a handshake out to Azure and then you can actually assign licenses from the Citrix portal. And, you know, if you've got a user that already has a cloud PC instance, it will automatically install the VDA. And if they don't have cloud PC turned up yet, you know, when one gets issued to them, it looks like, you know, the first time they try to, you know, it spins up and the first time they try to launch it, you know, all the, the VDA on the back end, like Adam said, will automatically install and it just kind of works. So I'm pretty impressed, you know, with just how simple the process looks like. So Adam, I got a couple things for you real quick. One, do you expect Microsoft to turn this into a non-persistent workload or multi-session workload or both at some point? Yeah, Andy, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think there's there's the possibility there, right? I think that there might be future things and future directions they could take this to. I guess the question is, does it matter for their targeted user base, right? I mean, you know, as as I think we discussed here, like there's interest in 365 across the board, from you know five user shops to forty thousand user shops. It's just you know where does it fit? And I think depending on adoption, they could uh, they could continue to evolve that technology, but we'll be right there, you know, next to them as they do it. So I think there'll be a win for Citrix either way. Think about how easy it would be for them to make it so it had a nightly snapshot back to wherever, and they charged an extra three bucks a user for that. That wouldn't be hard to do. 
Yeah, so you mean you think you'd actually turn it into a non-persistent image? You could you could actually pull that off today with some clever scripting. So I think there's a there's some possibilities for you. Hey, how about how about this one for me? So if I'm using if I have a user that's covered under M365 E3 or higher, and they're using a Windows endpoint to connect through Microsoft slash Citrix to their AVD or in this case Windows 365 desktop. My M365 license just covered both the virtual desktop, not the consumption, but the virtual desktop and the endpoint and the VDA, the virtual desktop access license. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's all covered. Is now if I use anything other, if I use something else other than Windows on the endpoint, does that break that model? Oh, uh, that gets uh, that gets a little dicey, right? So now now you're in a Microsoft conversation. Um, don't I don't want to I don't want to give your listeners the wrong the wrong perspective there. Uh, but I will say that Microsoft is aware that it gets complicated, and uh, and they're working on simplifying some of that. I'm using Windows or Windows SE, and I'm connecting to Windows, and it's all a Microsoft world plus consumption. The answer is a hard and fast yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when it's all when it's all Windows, that does make your life a lot easier. But there's a management penalty you pay for that, right? And there's a, a maintenance penalty. So I think some of the other endpoints bring a lot to the to the game. And uh, and again, it's it's a tough conversation to have, right? Because just like with 365, you're trading off sort of admin expertise and and management cost versus sort of just saying, oh, you know, let something else deal with that. Um, but you know, if you're clever, you can really uh, spin a very cost effective environment. Sounds like the customer needs a good partner that understands the nuance. I think so. I'll go look for one. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we are out of time. I got a guy waiting outside, getting ready to bust my door down. I appreciate the time, Adam, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for future blogs. Yeah, Andy, great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, this was great, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Jason, guys, thank you.